0: Section Twenty Five of England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume Nine, England, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section Twenty Five: The Battle of Hastings, Ten Sixty Six by robert wace the english had built up a fence before them with their shields and with ash and other wood and had well joined and waddled in the whole work so as not to leave even a crevice and thus they had a barricade in their front through which any norman who would attack them must first pass being covered in this way by their shields and barricades their aim was to defend themselves and if they had remained steady for that purpose they would not have been conquered that day for every norman who made his way in lost his life either by hatchet or bill by club or other weapon they wore short and close hauberks and helmets that hung over their garments king harold issued orders and made proclamation round that all should be ranged with their faces towards the enemy and that no one should move from where he was so that whoever came might find them ready and that whatever any one be he norman or other should do each should do his best to defend his own place then he ordered the men of kent to go where the normans were likely to make the attack for they say that the men of kent are entitled to strike first and that whenever the king goes to battle the first blow belongs to them the right of the men of london is to guard the king's body to place themselves around him and to guard his standard and they were accordingly placed by the standard to watch and defend it when harold had made his reply and given his orders he came into the midst of the english and dismounted by the side of the standard Leofwine and girth his brothers were with him and around him he had barons enough as he stood by his standard which was in truth a noble one sparkling with gold and precious stones after the victory william sent it to the pope to prove and commemorate his great conquest and glory the english stood in close ranks ready and eager for the fight and they moreover made a face which went across the field guarding one side of their army meanwhile the normans appeared advancing over the ridge of a rising ground and the first division of their troops moved onwards along the hill and across a valley and presently another division still larger came in sight close following upon the first and they were led towards another part of the field forming together as the first body had done and while harold saw and examined them and was pointing them out to girth a fresh company came in sight covering all the plain and in the midst of them was raised the standard that came from rome near it was the duke and the best men and greatest strength of the army were there the good knights the good vassals and brave warriors were there and there were gathered together the gentle barons the good archers and the men-at-arms whose duty it was to guard the duke and range themselves around him the youths and common herd of the camp whose business was not to join in the battle but to take care of the harness and stores moved off towards a rising ground the priests and the clerks also ascended a hill there to offer up prayers to god and watch the event of the battle the english stood firm on foot in close ranks and carried themselves right boldly each man had his hauberk on with his sword girt and his shield at his neck great hatchets were also slung at their necks with which they expected to strike heavy blows the normans brought on the three divisions of their army to attack at different places they set out in three companies and in three companies did they fight the first and second had come up and then advanced the third which was the greatest with that came the duke with his own men and all moved boldly forward as soon as the two armies were in full view of each other great noise and tumult arose you might hear the sound of many trumpets of bugles and of horns and then you might see men ranging themselves in line lifting their shields raising their lances bending their bows handling their arrows ready for assault and defence the english stood steady to their post the normans still moved on and when they drew near the english were to be seen stirring to and fro were going and coming troops ranging themselves in order some with their color rising others turning pale some making ready their arms others raising their shields the brave man rousing himself to fight the coward trembling at the approach of danger then taillefer who sang right well rode mounted on a swift horse before the duke singing of charlemagne and of roland of olivier and the peers who died in ranceval and when they drew nigh to the english a boon sire cried taillefer i have long served you and you owe me for all such service to-day so please you you shall repay it i ask as my guerdon and beseech you for it earnestly that you will allow me to strike the first blow in the battle and the duke answered i grant it then Taillefer put his horse to a gallop charging before all the rest and struck an englishman dead driving his lance below the breast into his body and stretching him upon the ground then he drew his sword and struck another crying out come on come on what do ye sirs lay on lay on at the second blow he struck the english pushed forward and surrounded and slew him forthwith arose the noise and cry of war and on either side the people put themselves in motion the normans moved on to the assault and the english defended themselves well some were striking others urging onwards all were bold and cast aside fear and now behold that battle was gathered whereof the fame is yet mighty loud and far resounded the bray of the horns and the shocks of the lances the mighty strokes of maces and the quick clashing of swords one while the englishmen rushed on another while they fell back one while the men from over sea charged onwards and again at other times retreated the normans shouted dex the english people out then came the cunning manoeuvres the rude shocks and strokes of the lances and blows of the swords among the sergeants and soldiers both english and norman when the english fall the normans shout each side taunts and defies the other yet neither knoweth what the other saith and the normans say the english bark because they understand not their speech some wax strong others weak the brave exult but the cowards tremble as men who are sore dismayed the normans press on the assault and the english defend their post well they pierce the harbourks and cleave the shields receive and return mighty blows again some press forwards others yield and thus in various ways the struggle proceeds in the plain was a fosse which the normans had now behind them having passed it in the fight without regarding it but the english charged and drove the normans before them till they made them fall back upon this fosse overthrowing into it horses and men many were to be seen falling therein rolling one over the other with their faces to the earth and unable to rise many of the english also whom the normans drew down along with them died there at no time during the day's battle did so many normans die as perished in that fosse so those said who saw the dead the varlets who were set to guard the harness began to abandon it as they saw the loss of the frenchmen when thrown back upon the fosse without power to recover themselves being greatly alarmed at seeing the difficulty in restoring order they began to quit the harness and sought around not knowing where to find shelter then duke william's brother odo the good priest the bishop of Bayeux, galloped up and said to them stand fast stand fast be quiet and move not fear nothing for if god please we shall conquer yet so they took courage and rested where they were and odo returned galloping back to where the battle was most fierce and was of great service on that day he had put a hauberk on over a white aub wide in the body with the sleeve tight and sat on a white horse so that all might recognize him in his hand he held a mace and wherever he saw most need he held up and stationed the knights and often urged them on to assault and strike the enemy from nine o'clock in the morning when the combat began till three o'clock came the battle was up and down this way and that and no one knew who would conquer and win the land both sides stood so firm and fought so well that no one could guess which would prevail the norman archers with their bows shot thickly upon the english but they covered themselves with their shields so that the arrows could not reach their bodies nor do any mischief how true soever was their aim or however well they shot then the normans determined to shoot their arrows upwards into the air so that they might fall on their enemies heads and strike their faces the archers adopted this scheme and shot up into the air towards the english and the arrows in falling struck their heads and faces and put out the eyes of many and all feared to open their eyes or leave their faces unguarded the arrows now flew thicker than rain before the wind fast sped the shafts that the english called wybets. then it was that an arrow that had thus been shot upward struck harold above his right eye and put it out in his agony he drew the arrow and threw it away breaking it with his hands and the pain to his head was so great that he leaned upon his shield so the english were wont to say and still say to the french that the arrow was well shot which was so sent up against their king and that the archer won them great glory who thus put out harold's eye the normans saw that the english defended themselves well and were so strong in their position that they could do little against them so they consulted together privily and arranged to draw off and pretend to flee till the english should pursue and scatter themselves over the field for they saw that if they could once get their enemies to break their ranks they might be attacked and discomfited much more easily as they had said so they did the normans by little and little fled the english following them as the one fell back the other pressed after and when the frenchmen retreated the english thought and cried out that the men of france fled and would never return thus they were deceived by the pretended flight and great mischief thereby befell them for if they had not moved from their position it is not likely that they would have been conquered at all but like fools they broke their lines and pursued the normans were to be seen following up their stratagem retreating slowly so as to draw the english further on as they still flee the english pursue they push out their lances and stretch forth their hatchets following the normans as they go rejoicing in the success of their scheme and scattering themselves over the plain and the english meantime jeered and insulted their foes with words cowards they cried you came hither in an evil hour wanting our lands and seeking to seize our property fools that ye were to come normandy is too far off and you will not easily reach it it is of little use to run back unless you can cross the sea at a leap or can drink it dry your sons and daughters are lost to you the normans bore it all but in fact they knew not what the english said their language seemed like the baying of dogs which they could not understand at length they stopped and turned round determined to recover their ranks and the barons might be heard crying dexai for a halt then the normans resumed their former position turning their faces towards the enemy and their men were to be seen facing round and rushing onwards to a fresh melee the one party assaulting the other this man striking another pressing onwards one hits another misses one flies another pursues one is aiming a stroke while another discharges his blow norman strives with englishmen again and aims his blows afresh one flies another pursues swiftly the combatants are many the plain wide the battle and the melee fierce on every hand they fight hard the blows are heavy and the struggle becomes fierce the normans were playing their part well when an english knight came rushing up having in his company a hundred men furnished with various arms he wielded a northern hatchet with the blade a full foot long and was well armed after his manner being tall bold and of noble carriage in the front of the battle where the normans thronged most he came bounding on swifter than the stag many normans falling before him and his company he rushed straight upon a norman who was armed and riding on a war-horse and tried with his hatchet of steel to cleave his helmet but the blow miscarried and the sharp blade glanced down before the saddle bow driving through the horse's neck down to the ground so that both horse and master fell together to the earth i know not whether the englishmen struck another blow but the normans who saw the stroke were astonished and about to abandon the assault when roger de montgomery came galloping up with his lance set and heeding not the long-handled axe which the englishman wielded aloft struck him down and left him stretched upon the ground then roger cried out frenchmen strike the day is ours and again a fierce melee was to be seen with many a blow of lance and sword the english still defending themselves killing the horses and cleaving the shields there was a french soldier of noble mien who sat his horse gallantly he spied two englishmen who were also carrying themselves boldly they were both men of great worth and had become companions in arms and fought together the one protecting the other they bore two long and broad bills and did great mischief to the normans killing both horses and men the french soldier looked at them and their bills and was sore alarmed for he was afraid of losing his good horse the best that he had and would willingly have turned to some other quarter if it would not have looked like cowardice he soon however recovered his courage and spurring his horse gave him the bridle and galloped swiftly forward fearing the two bills he raised his shield and struck one of the englishmen with his lance on the breast so that the iron passed out at his back at the moment that he fell, the lance broke and the frenchman seized the mace that hung at his spright side and struck the other englishman a blow that completely broke his skull on the other side was an englishman who much annoyed the french continually assaulting them with a keen edged hatchet he had a helmet made of wood which he had fastened down to his coat and laced round his neck so that no blows could reach his head the ravage he was making was seen by a gallant norman knight who rode a horse that neither fire nor water could stop in its career when its master urged it on the knight spurred and his horse carried him on well till he charged the englishman striking him over the helmet so that it fell down over his eyes and as he stretched out his hand to raise it and uncover the face the norman cut off his right hand so that his hatchet fell to the ground another norman sprang forward and eagerly seized the prize with both his hands but he kept it little space and paid dearly for it for as he stooped to pick up the hatchet the englishman with his long-handled axe struck him over the back breaking all his bones so that his entrails and lungs gushed forth the knight of the good horse meantime returned without injury but on his way he met another englishman and bore him down under his horse wounding him grievously and trampling him to altogether underfoot. and now might be heard the loud clang and cry of battle and the clashing of lances the english stood firm in their barricades and shivered the lances beating them into pieces with their bills and maces the normans drew their swords and hewed down the barricades and the english in great trouble fell back upon their standard where were collected the maimed and wounded there were many knights of chaws who jousted and made attacks the english knew not how to joust or bear arms on horseback but fought with hatchets and bills a man when he wanted to strike with one of their hatchets was obliged to hold it with both his hands and could not at the same time as it seems to me both cover himself and strike with any freedom the english fell back towards the standard which was upon a rising ground and the normans followed them across the valley attacking them on foot and horseback then hugh de mortimer with the sires d'auvilliers d'aubach and st clair rode up and charged overthrowing many robert Fitzeneris fixed his lance took his shield and galloping towards the standard with his keen-edged sword struck an englishman who was in front killed him and then drawing back his sword attacked many others and pushed straight for the standard trying to beat it down but the english surrounded it and killed him with their bills he was found on the spot when they afterwards sought for him dead and lying at the standard's foot duke william pressed close upon the english with his lance driving hard to reach the standard with the great troop he led and seeking earnestly for harold on whose account the whole war was the normans follow their lord and press around him they ply their blows upon the english and these defend themselves stoutly striving hard with their enemies returning blow for blow one of them was a man of great strength a wrestler who did great mischief to the normans with his hatchet all feared him for he struck down a great many normans the duke spurred on his horse and aimed a blow at him but he stooped and so escaped the stroke then jumping on one side he lifted his hatchet aloft and as the duke bent to avoid the blow the englishman boldly struck him on the head and beat in his helmet though without doing much injury he was very near falling however but bearing on his stirrups he recovered himself immediately and when he thought to have revenged himself upon the churl by killing him he had escaped dreading the duke's blow he ran back in among the english but he was not safe even there for the normans seeing him pursued and caught him and having pierced him through and through with their lances left him dead on the ground where the throng of the battle was greatest the men of kent and essex fought wondrously well and made the normans again retreat but without doing them much injury and when the duke saw his men fall back and the english triumphing over them his spirit rose high and he seized his shield and his lance which a vassal handed to him and took his post by his standard then those who kept close guard by him and rode where he rode being about a thousand armed men came and rushed with closed ranks upon the english and with the weight of their good horses and the blows the knights gave broke the press of the enemy and scattered the crowd before them the good duke leading them on in front many pursued and many fled many were the englishmen who fell around and were trampled under the horses crawling upon the earth and not able to rise many of the richest and noblest men fell in that rout but the english still rallied in places smote down those whom they reached and maintained the combat the best they could beating down the men and killing the horses one englishman watched the duke and plotted to kill him he would have struck him with his lance but he could not for the duke struck him first and felled him to the earth loud was now the clamor and great the slaughter many a soul then quitted the body it inhabited the living marched over the heaps of dead and each side was weary of striking he charged on who could and he who could no longer strike still pushed forward the strong struggled with the strong some failed others triumphed. the cowards fell back the brave pressed on and sad was his fate who fell in the midst for he had little chance of rising again and many in truth fell who never rose at all being crushed under the throng and now the normans pressed on so far that at last they had reached the standard there harold had remained defending himself to the utmost but he was sorely wounded in his eye by the arrow and suffered grievous pain from the blow an armed man came in the throng of the battle and struck him on the vantalia of his helmet and beat him to the ground and as he sought to recover himself a knight beat him down again striking him on the thick of his thigh down to the bone gurth saw the english falling around and that there was no remedy he saw his race hastening to ruin and despaired of any aid he would have fled but could not for the throng continually increased and the duke pushed on till he reached him and struck him with great force whether he died of that blow i know not but it was said that he fell under it and rose no more the standard was beaten down the golden standard was taken and harold and the best of his friends were slain but there was so much eagerness and throng of so many around seeking to kill him that i know not who it was that slew him the english were in great trouble at having lost their king and at the duke's having conquered and beat down the standard but they still fought on and defended themselves long and in fact till the day drew to a close then it clearly appeared to all that the standard was lost and the news had spread throughout the army that harold for certain was dead and also that there was no longer any hope so they left the field and those fled who could end of section 25 this recording is in the public domain